0: Welcome to Get After It PDX, a down-to-earth podcast featuring honest conversations with inspiring people in the creative hotbed of Portland, Oregon. Recorded live and on location in Portland, let's welcome the co-founder of Y-East Wolfpack and the host of Get After It PDX, Willie McBride.
1: Hey folks, a quick note before we get started. The Get After It PDX podcast is brought to you by the support of our friends at the Aimsure Distilling Company, a new distillery focused on bringing people together through great flavors and a warm environment. They love the way spirits taste, but more importantly, they love what they do. Spirits bring people together to make memories, build bridges, and crystallize the moment opening up in early 2020 in Northeast Portland. Howdy, folks. We are back with another episode of the Get After It PDX podcast. Very happy to have JT Lehman here today, who is a local adventurer, engineer, and creator of Alpenflow, which is an outdoor experience company built to help people cherish time and connection. Welcome, JT. Thanks, Willie. It's yeah, great, it's great to nice have to you here, here man. Thanks, JT, you do a lot of cool things, you are a prolific adventurer, you inspire a lot of people. You actually, uh, a few months ago, did a presentation here, an Adventure Time slideshow where you came with your friend Andy and you uh, gave a talk about when you two went all the way from Portland to the summit of Mount Hood, biked there and then climbed it and skied it and biked all the way back in 24 hours time. So that was an awesome presentation, very inspiring, fun, fun evening here. So we want to hear about all this stuff, how you became an engineer and what and Flow is and, and all that. So you grew up in this area, is that correct?
0: I did, yeah. I grew up just east of here, about 45 minutes in the gorge, Corbett, this little town.
1: That's the the one where there's the exit right off the highway and then
0: it's up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Up Corbett Hill, and then you get to the town and I lived about... Uh, Fifteen minutes outside of there. Nice. So yeah.
1: Very rural.
0: Very rural, indeed.
1: But unique because it's so close to an urban center.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I grew up, you know, coming into Portland um, fairly regularly for going to, going to church and things like that. Um, you know, running errands, so always fairly connected to Portland.
1: Interesting. Throwing that in early. Church <laughs> church <laughs> yeah. trips to Portland. There yep. weren't churches out there.
0: Uh, you know, my parents were, were pretty close with the community, church community in Portland and, you know, had been Just for like some time, so continued going in there.
1: Huh, where, what part of Portland was that?
0: That was in uh, East Portland, Southeast Portland. Cool. Yeah.
1: So you have memories of Portland itself, the city of Portland your whole life?
0: Yeah, uh-huh.
1: Nice. Yeah. But also, <laughs> I mean, I've, we don't have bears in the city, of course, but uh, I everything pretty close out there. There's a lot of, it's very countryish, right? There's, I would imagine you had crazy things as you grew up, animals cruising through.
0: Yeah, you know, we'd have uh, coyotes around. My parents have like a small farm out there. So we have coyotes running through there pretty often. And you know, every once in a while we hear about cougars and things like that. When When I grew up, I'd go for runs when I was younger, back behind our place in some timber company land. And see lots of animals back there—bears and saw like a cougar and bobcats and things like that. Elk.
1: Actually, the, ju- this just popped into my head. Somebody once told me who lives out there that there is a legendary black wolf. Oh, really? In Corbett? Have you the, heard of this thing? The, the black Corbett wolf of black Corbett. wolf. <laughs> Have you heard? No, I haven't. Oh, wow. I haven't heard wow. the legend. Okay, well, I'll try. I'll double check, fact yeah. check that. <laughs> um, anyway, so it was was obviously you lived right in it and around it but was sort of specifically getting into nature a part of your childhood experience
0: yeah yeah um constantly I mean we were I grew up without a tv so my brother and I were outside all the time kind of entertaining ourselves and running around we you know grew up doing chores milking the goats and feeding the chickens and you know just kind of generally chasing each other through the woods and swimming in the pond that was on our property there and, uh, and so when you
1: say farm this was a, a farm yet chickens goats what
0: yeah it's pretty, pretty small farm really like uh, you know more because my parents enjoy that kind of thing than than anything but yeah we had grew up with uh, horses and chickens and goats and big garden and that kind of thing sweet
1: so you were yeah. doing you were doing that work getting your hands dirty
0: uh-huh yeah yeah <laughs> cutting down trees planting trees dinging wow. around in the dirt, and that's shoveling a good rock. Work
1: ethic from a young age. I would, I would yeah. imagine that impacted you. Farmers
0: got to get up early and get stuff done. Yeah, you know, I'm really grateful for that. That my uh, parents gave my brother and I chores to do, and and just ingrained that work ethic in us, and you know, made us you know just get used to, to doing chores and doing work as something that we did, and you know, we didn't didn't really didn't get anything for it, didn't get an allowance or anything for a long time. Um, It was just part of our contribution to the family and part of living out there. And um, Yeah, I mean, of course, I didn't like it at all growing (laughs) up, but I'm grateful for it now for sure. And
1: it was you and your brother?
0: Yeah, just my brother and I. Uh Older brother? Younger.
1: Yeah, oh, really? I was three years younger, yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, good. Yeah. And so there's a school in Corbett, were you were you traveling for school, or it was close, but pretty close.
0: It's fairly close, yeah, like fifteen minutes away. So you know, there's a bus that'd come out to, out to our place, and we'd see it going up the road, and we'd get all our stuff together and run out to the end of the, <laughs> the end of the driveway and meet it on the way back. Nice. Mm-hmm.
1: So, what was your? Did you have like a perception of Portland, or like sort of the? Because you were so rural, like was there a? Like, what was your, your idea of like the urban life? <laughs> yeah, <like.
0: laughs> yeah I guess I was always kind of uh, I don't know really considered myself like a country person or really you know enjoyed being out um, away from the city like there wasn't any you know judgment of Portland or anything in that I just really um, at least thought that I liked living in, in the rural setting and liked being away from the city um, and Portland I guess was just kind of you know, the city where you'd go for church and groceries. (laughs) So you mentioned running. Yeah. You said
1: you were running around out out in the Corbett lands. Yeah. Was that, did you run from an early age?
0: Yeah, I was pretty young. Um, Yeah, I guess middle school or so. I mean, I grew up playing soccer and, you know, ran as part of that. And then at some point in there, I just started to go for runs around our like family property there and, really gravitated towards running itself Um, you know I'd go out to the end of our road and pass there into into this timber company land onto these logging roads and you know just run around back there and really enjoyed getting away and having something that was just mine and I guess you know at that point I didn't know what was drawing me to it I just enjoyed it but looking back I think it was like this time that I got to you know just be alone and um, kind of work through things that I was right. that I was dealing with and um, get some space sometimes some peace yes yeah.
1: and that terrain is not flat
0: yeah fairly hilly <laughs> so yeah. you're
1: definitely getting some, some good ups and downs yeah
0: yeah for sure down to the creek and up to the ridge and whatnot. sweet mm-hmm.
1: and I know now that you are a big skier. That is a big, big, uh, adventure mode for you. When did the skiing come into your life?
0: Yeah, that started, uh, so after college, I moved out to Colorado and, you know, really started to get into backpacking and hiking and skiing as part of that. Initially started snowboarding more and then transitioned over to skiing. Um, but that was really when that happened. I guess I, you know grown up outside and then um went to college in portland and when i moved to colorado was really when i started to explore more you know into international forests and into more of like what you might think of as like your typical kind of outdoor mm-hmm. sports and yeah that's when I, that's when i started skiing you ran during college
1: yeah and you were at uh PSU University of Portland. Or, excuse me. Yes. Yeah, oh, right on the Overlook there. Yeah, exactly. In right North of
0: Yes. Yep.
1: It's a pretty sweet spot, looking across at Forest Park and down it to is. the city.
0: Yeah, it is. It's really beautiful, and you know we, in uh, in college, we'd run in Forest Park all the time, either over the bridge or coach would take us over to Leaf Erickson Trailhead, and yeah, we we'd get into Forest Park a lot. So knew Forest Park pretty pretty well in college. Cool. So, what did you study in college? Uh, mechanical engineering why what are you interested in that? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> you know, I really have always loved figuring out how things work, taking like little mechanisms apart and you know when I was growing up and I was a kid, and if I'd get like a new you know remote control car or bike or whatever i'd you know take it apart on the second night I had it and just see how it worked and tinker around hopefully put it it back together yeah exactly exactly
1: (laughs) do you remember that book The Way Things Work no David McCauley I think okay Uh. -uh. oh it's amazing it was like this uh, memories from from a youth like this big hardcover book pretty thick all these illustrations and it's called The Way Things Work and it's all these common things we use all the time vacuum cleaners and this and that and it breaks it down in these really cool creative illustrations to show how they work
0: oh you know I think I have seen that yeah somewhere. it's classic yeah. Yeah, I'm
1: sure you'd recognize them. yeah yeah classic. sweet so you, you were interested in that enough that you made your
0: major yeah you know it's kind of funny I don't know like uh, being 17 18 years old I like really didn't it's sort of embarrassing how little I thought about what a major would mean to <laughs> you know <laughs> future life I was just like oh I, I like figuring out how things work engineering seems cool I'll do that and I didn't really think about it too much beyond that
1: common story I would imagine (laughs) yeah it's sort of shocking sometimes you're just like oh yeah major
0: but don't yeah figure out the rest of your life (laughs) when you're 17 seems like a
1: very logical thing right Right.
0: it's kind of crazy
1: so has your (laughs) I'd imagine you're saying that because maybe now in
0: your life mechanical engineering is not Your focus anymore? Yeah, you know, uh, engineering's really supported me really well, and um, you know, it's been a great career in a lot of ways. Um, But yeah, I find you know, kind of this—I kind of find myself pulled in a in a few different ways. But I really have you know been digging into my outdoor passions the last the last you know six years for sure. And, uh, yeah, I find, you know, more passion and inspiration there, and, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I just enjoy certain aspects of that. Um, I don't know. There's elements of engineering that I really enjoy, and there's, there's also elements of it that I don't. So, I think that, you know, there, there can be a pretty good balance between those two things, and I'm kind of figuring out what that is.
1: So it was after college here in Portland that you moved to Colorado. You said, "Yeah." Uh-huh. And what prompted that? That was just like a I don't know where to go, so let's head out and do some adventuring. Or was there a specific purpose? Or impetus? I
0: really, yeah, I really wanted to try something new. You know, I'd grown up out here and gone to college out here, and I just really wanted to see a new landscape and you know, see a different part of the country. Uh, yeah I was also really drawn to the outdoors seeing some some new mountains and of course Colorado to me at that time was just this like mythical land of (laughs) huge snowy peaks and um, incredible outdoors where did you move in Colorado? Denver, actually uh, a suburb of Denver Parker, which is like south of town okay, yeah you just (laughs)
1: randomly ended, ended up in Parker?
0: so I moved down to Parker because I got a job at a general aviation airport down there for for a small airplane company, um, aircraft manufacturer, and Parker was it was close to the airport, and I don't know this is another <laughs> instance of me not thinking things through very very well or something, but uh, I was like, oh yeah, it's close, I'll move there, and you know over the course of this again took a sort of an embarrassingly long time to figure out but this is how I realized I really don't like living in suburbs and um yeah just sort of disconnected from you know community yeah. there's really not much going on down you know down in the suburbs in terms of you know places to meet people and not yeah. not many other people that I you know knew live down there and just sort of a it's a, like a lifestyle that I I really didn't enjoy but it took quite a while for me to figure out what the things were that I that I did enjoy and that I did want from from a community and from a place that I live. Yeah.
1: yeah. it takes takes a little while
0: sometimes to figure those things out. Yeah.
1: So real quick, because I am not an engineer <laughs> <laughs> and not inclined towards things like engineering yeah, and such. So right. when you say alright, I was working at this small aviation place as a mechanical engineer so what does that mean? Like your day-to-day job? Like you go to work. What are you doing?
0: Yeah, good question. I mean, it could mean all kinds of things. Engineering is such a broad field um, that yeah, just just saying that doesn't really paint much of a picture for you. Uh, what I was doing down there was stress analysis engineering. So what I do is look at these aircraft structures and you know figure out the loads on them and then figure out what the stresses were. It was a carbon fiber airplane, so figuring out how the stress is translating through the carbon fiber and what that what that meant for how it needed to be built okay. but what that you know really meant day to day was that i'd be going in and looking at problems i'd be sitting at my computer um looking at these you know sketching out problems on graph paper looking <laughs> through these big stress analysis books and of course i was just out of school so it's like fi- trying to figure out how to do this stuff and working on these problems and you know, really not interacting with people very much at all as part of my job, um, which was which was really tough. Like I really hated it. Um, so
1: you were sort of getting the the double whammy. You're like living in a place where you're not really connecting with people. It's a suburban environment. It's you're not feeling community, and then you go to work and you're very much sort of isolated and alone and diving yeah. deep in the mental mental heady zone yeah you got it that's exactly it so over time I would imagine this, the craving for for real community
0: and depth in that way started growing yeah definitely you know yeah it absolutely did I so I moved to Colorado with my girlfriend we were living together um, so I had that community to rely on which you know was like really her friends or like the community know, of you just two to and her. Yeah, the, yeah. exactly the community of two um That's yeah it's a good community it is it is like a really it's a really solid um solid base but it was also you know kind of limiting for me because i you know and her yeah. we found ourselves staying within that little bubble and not branching out and you know we did some but not enough for either of us it's necessary yeah for sure so, you know, learned learned that, um, you know, kind of slowly and painfully, <laughs>
1: painfully because that relationship didn't work out. So
0: oh, that's part of it. I what I just meant, and that was a really painful part of it for sure. But that was years later. Uh, what I meant by painfully is just kind of the just the isolation of you know being in this like little pod and not having friends and not quite knowing like why knowing something, you know, felt wrong but not really knowing like what it was exactly and then you know just being in college and then moving out there um, not really having experience like building community or finding friends or you know reaching out Mm -hmm. making those connections building those relationships yeah so
1: so you're at this point your outdoor recreation increased
0: yeah yes yeah, so we started uh getting really into backpacking was was kind of the first and and biggest thing, so we, you know go on backpacking trips every weekend and there's a lot of backpacking that's you know really good and accessible from from Denver. Um, so I did a bunch of backpacking and we do um, a lot of running around there just there's also some really great open space parks in Denver, so a lot of trail running there. Um, and then snowboarding and, and skiing.
1: So was that satiating a bit of your like need for connection was connection to the natural world?
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's different for sure, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've I really rarely feel lonely outside, you know, even if I'm by myself on a long trip and haven't seen anyone for for days like I really rarely feel lonely in those situations so yeah there's something about being outside and I don't know feeling connected to something
1: bigger yeah how long were you in Colorado?
0: five years yeah total and then yeah so I guess we we were initially in Colorado for three years and then you know corporate life wasn't was kind of getting old to me.
1: Were you still working for that company?
0: Yeah, so there's a, no, I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> there's another story there. So that company went out of business after about six months of being there. So lost that job and then I was unemployed for a while, about seven months. Um, and then I got another job at a, at a medical device company um, there in, in Denver and had that job for for almost three years. Um, before deciding, you know, before just kind of the corporate grind got old and I wanted to try something different. So both my girlfriend at the time and I quit our jobs and um, traveled, decided to travel for a few months. Uh-huh. So what yeah. What year was that? That was, uh, when we quit our jobs, that would have been 2011. And how
1: long were you tripping?
0: yeah well we were initially going to be traveling for three months um but it ended up being two and traveling within the states uh no we started in nepal so we spent a month in nepal far from the states yeah 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 (laughs) yeah we you know we traveled a little bit outside the u.s at that point but not a whole lot and that's something that we really wanted to do was explore some other places and see what what some of the rest of the world was all about. Nice.
1: I know you've dabbled with some van life, so I think I had that in my head, so I I put that too early on you, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's
0: okay. No. (laughs) Nepal, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. So why was it cut short? Uh, So we were in Southeast Asia, and I got an email from my dad uh, saying that my brother had gotten, he was on a a big bike trip at that time, and uh, I got an email from my dad saying that my brother had gotten hit by a car, and they weren't sure how bad it was, and, uh, you know, just that he was in a hospital in Florida, and my my parents were still in in Oregon, and so, you know, nobody really knew what was going on, Um, but, yeah, decided, and I'll credit Jen, my girlfriend at the time, for, you know, really motivating, motivating me, and helping me, you know, find the clarity to go back at that point. Go back to the U.S. Oh. And so, yeah, we basically, you know, booked tickets as soon as we could to get back to Orlando and um, and be with be with Kyle.
1: So, because I've heard you mention that once before, he was on a bike trip, a yeah. cross country bike trip.
0: Yep. Yeah. So him and some friends um, packed up at my parents' house out in Corbett and rode their bikes all the way south to the southern border and all the way across the country to Florida from there. It's like a big L? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sort of like a river L first. back. (laughs) Strange L. Yeah. Wow. That's a long trip. Really long trip. Yeah, like I think it was like 5,000 miles. And this
1: was that, this accident occurred
0: right at the end? Right at the end. Yeah, they were riding to Miami so there was something like two days from from finishing mm-hmm. so, Got hit by a car? Yeah, I got hit by a car It was just an, like an old old guy, wasn't managing his diabetes very well or something and went into some, some kind of diabetic shock and swerved off the road and, and hit him he was riding out front in front of his two friends and um, yeah, just, just ran right into him and yeah, it's really awful. So what? He's
1: he's around today.
0: He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He absolutely. was here at your uh,
1: <laughs> your Adventure Time presentation. He was. That, was. that was super fun. Yeah. That was awesome to see him.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's around and he's he's smiling a lot. Um, he so he had a really horrible brain injury um, as part of that accident, and. You know really no other no other injuries but it's really bad brain injury and which is a real which is a really crazy thing I think brain injuries are really hard to understand and they can you know manifest in so many different ways cause so many different kinds of limitations and you know different injuries heal heal in different ways and so it's really hard to figure out what that means and um, so you know our family's been trying to do that for the last seven years seven and a half years now um, but yeah he he still has a lot of limitations from his brain injury um, but he also has some you know really interesting really cool perspective to to share and then there's like some really awesome things that I've learned from him and um, that I continue to learn from him um, and so that's been that's been really beautiful
1: can you share any of this those, those- things you've learned or ways that's yeah. inspired or affected your life
0: yeah absolutely um, I think you know some of the coolest things that Kyle's taught me are that people are really receptive to how you treat them and really receptive to you know your energy and he's just he's so positive you know almost all the time and he's so interested in other people and excited about other people know loves giving compliments and loves chatting with people and it's just amazing to see how that can open people up and I have a hard time you know a lot of times like seeing that I'll just you know maybe judge someone too quickly or just kind of approach people from a negative angle or something and that doesn't you know work out very well and then I put it on them and say that you know like oh well they're just in in a shitty mood or oh that guy's a jerk or something and it's been really amazing to me to see how Kyle can, you know, have an interaction with someone and I'll, I'll assume they're just going to be, going to be negative or something and they'll just open up and warm up and be, be really excited. So that's been really amazing. Um, I think it's been really impactful to me just to see Kyle and to see, you know, so I've, I've been really inspired by Kyle. Um, you know, my whole life in a lot of ways, but in college for sure, just to see how he was, he was getting after it and he was living his life and he was really like, um, diving into the outdoors and writing. He's a really talented writer. Um, and just to, to see that was super inspiring to me. So to see all that, you know, cut short and to see him lose a lot of these really amazing opportunities that he had, um, has just totally changed my perspective on what living should be like and it's just a it's a constant reminder like not to take my mobility for granted and my ability to run for sure and you know just the ability to live to live you know fully and with a with a clear mind and able body is is really amazing so I don't you know take that for granted at all and I think about Kyle a lot when I'm out in the mountains and adventuring and running around because he would love so much to be there and I would love love so much to be sharing that with him Um, and he can't be there but I can be and I really want to appreciate that
1: so I imagine that inspires you to use the word share so Alp and flow so yeah. Yeah, we can sort of jump around chronologically but this current awesome thing you're creating Album Flow is to begin it at least I know it's evolving rapidly but uh, it's essentially a platform where you're sharing these adventure stories Yeah, and it's beautiful and it's inspiring and it's good writing and it's amazing pictures And so yeah I would think that <laughs> that has grown out of some of those desires to share with him and have him along
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I I really think it's an amazing thing to, you know, be able to get out and have these adventures. And, um, I don't know, I guess, you know, kind of increasingly it feels, feels like, you know, just having them for myself is, is really less and less rewarding. Like there's certainly still things that I want to do for me, but, um, I would really love to bring that to other people and to do something positive in other people's lives and um i guess found a lot of you know personal empowerment and growth over the last six years and i would love to bring you know some of that some of that to other people help other people through um through that you know process into finding you know the the best version of themselves that they can and if this is this is kind of my my experiment with how to do that so this accident
1: happened six, seven years ago
0: yeah, seven and a half years ago, yeah
1: and so has so obviously it's been impacting you throughout that whole time um, I guess what I'm asking is like has it been a slow evolution of like you maybe being less invested, in, interested, connected to, like, engineering work and more and more interested in these other pursuits as that sort of perspective has deepened over time. Or like, You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, has yeah, there been a
1: growing rift over those seven years that you've a felt rift that's widening <laughs> of, like, you wanting to follow a passion that's not what you've been doing?
0: Yeah, uh, I think that's a good way to put it um it yeah it has definitely been a growing thing and um you know when uh, when Kyle got hurt moved back to back to the U.S. back to Colorado and I started working for the same company that I'd been working for but started part-time the medical device medical devices yeah and uh, you know and then moved back to Portland was doing that work part-time and remotely and I've been doing that since and it was the move- Back to Portland largely because of Kyle
1: wanting to be that was close a big, to home. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was a big part of it. Um, I'd wanted to move back to the Northwest, back to, you know, somewhere closer to home. Um, but Portland specifically, yeah, a big part of that was Kyle and family for sure. So, you moved
1: <laughs> back, you're able to do this stuff remotely.
0: Yeah, um, so I was able to able to work remotely and and part-time and you know really spend a lot of those early that you know first year um, with Kyle you know working with his just trying to help out basically um, and you know after that yeah it's been you know a lot has happened since then of course but um, been digging in a lot more to some of these outdoor passions and hobbies and you know I've really grateful to be able to have the flexibility of working, working part-time, you know, just to be able to pursue a lot of these outdoor things that I really wanted to dig into. And, um, yeah, through that, I've just found a lot of, I don't know, passion and inspiration and enjoyment and fulfillment. And, um, it's, it's just becoming more and more important to me to dig into, into those things and see what I can create, uh, with Alpenflow and, and really to try and create something of my own, I think is, uh, is a huge thing for me right now to see what that might, might be, might look like to just, you know, run the experiment or run a bunch of experiments and see what might happen. That's, that feels super important to me.
1: Just that it's truly of, of your own
0: creation. Yeah. That's yeah. a big part of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool.
1: Because you feel like you have, you've got a lot to give, so do you want to be your own baby? <laughs> I understand, completely understandable, I'm just drilling yeah, yeah. a little more.
0: Yeah, um, Sure. You know, I think uh, there's, yeah, there is something about, I think just the, like, personal expression and creativity is really fun and, and feels really important, you know, to have that in some way. Feels important, and this and this could be it, um, or could certainly be part of it. Um, there's also, you know, a big part of just like working in in corporate structure. I think is is just really kind of tough. I I don't really like it that much, and you know, it feels stifling. So just the ability to to use the time, use my time the way I want, and kind of direct my my energy how I want, work on projects that I want to like. That kind of thing is something that I really want to explore.
1: We're full on in and flow conversation now, so <laughs> so let's warning the listeners. No, no, that's the opposite. This is the real exciting part. This is the what you're creating now. So back up a little bit. So you're cruising along, doing you know, working from your laptop, doing your medical device action, <laughs> which is getting less stimulating to you or is and this just give me give me the process tell me like what album flow means where did
0: what was the little nugget in your brain that really yeah you know it certainly wasn't like a single you know moment kind of thing or anything it's definitely been an evolution Um, but I think you know I've worked my job part-time and that's enabled a lot of really amazing adventures and trips and enabled me to you know go and have a lot of experiences for myself that i really wanted to you know do some like really cool through hiking trips and lots of skiing and ski mountaineering let's
1: list a few of these give some specifics (laughs) just pepper them off here bullet points
0: so yeah some of the some of the highlights like the i did the sierra high route in 2015 and that was like a really big perspective shift for me just to realize that a route like that was was possible and was out there and Um,
1: So that's a two, just so everyone knows, that's a very difficult and amazing and beautiful 200 mile route through the Sierras that you did solo, right? I did do it solo, yeah. Which is, I've uh, actually, I've attempted it myself with two friends, three of us, and we did not make it. It It's very challenging. And so I remember actually when I first heard that you did it solo, I was like, wow, that's pretty epic. How long did you take?
0: 11 days, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's really that smart to do that solo. <laughs> I, um, it's a pretty
1: intense route. A lot of ways you could hurt yourself,
0: for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. Lots of lots of boulder fields and things like that. And, and I, I pretty quickly realized that I was in over my head on that route. Um, but, yeah, I really learned a lot from that. And it was... It was gorgeous and it was this totally different way of moving in the mountains that I'd never experienced before you know pretty long distances and long days day after day and just to be able to move so far you know 200 miles over 11 days under your own power in this high it was alpine intense drink God. yeah oh, it was so so cool um, so I really discovered something there that I, that I really liked. And I mean, it took me a while to realize it, but that's the thing that really connects all my passions now is, is moving under my own power and big landscapes and learning the skills and working on the techniques to do that and just the feeling of flow in the mountains is something that I really, really enjoy.
1: I got to throw this in right now because it made me think of it. So personally, the Sierras are my favorite mountains on Earth. I think they're just so stunning, heavenly, um, and the high route is really like the, pretty much the most amazing <laughs> mountain route I've <laughs> ever been on myself. So I, th- this made me think of you mentioning church <laughs> earlier. Yeah, and you going here. to church and religion and spirituality and such. So like when I think of the most like s- heavenly spiritual. Place, you know, I could conjure up. To me, that's like the Sierras and the the high route. And so, being alone out in these spaces is even more powerful, and you really, really peel back the layers of the onion, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, does it, given your some level of religious history or background, do you draw you know parallels there between those
0: experiences or? Does it
1: feel spiritual to you out there?
0: Uh, it absolutely feels spiritual out there to me, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's certainly where I connect the most with this sense that, you know, there's something bigger, or there's some greater power out there, there's, you know, the fact that I'm just this, like, tiny little nugget bopping around through the mountains, and, um, you know, there's, yeah, something bigger and more important out there that that is really... Um, how I how I connect to that I don't really draw much parallel between church and being outside I guess like to me church was something that I did growing up and there was like a really great community around it a bunch of really friendly and welcoming people and I really enjoyed that Um, I didn't really feel growing up a sense of greater connection to a higher power in church yeah yeah. Through church. That wasn't church. where you felt it, yeah. That wasn't where I felt it. Yeah.
1: Like when you were do you go to church currently? No, I don't. So when you were in church as a kid, but then like running on these fire roads by your house. Uh huh. Was there any perception of like a some parallel then? No. Or, yeah. <laughs> no, I, <yeah. laughs> no I
0: wouldn't I, say I was really aware of it, you know, like it wasn't like a conscious thing, I guess, when I was growing up, you know I knew that I liked the space of getting out and running on those roads, and I liked the you know the time away and just kind of like the feeling of of disconnection and peace and um yeah, I guess space is the best way I can put it, but because I, I like how you just
1: said you like traveling under your own power through big landscapes.
0: Yeah. But
1: yeah, there's. That's the When you of sort it. of pull back that scale, like, a, you know, because you can go for a trail run for an hour or go hike for however many hours in a day, but when you start talking about like 11 days out in the mountains, you, you are dealing with some big landscapes.
0: Yeah. Vast. Oh my God. Yeah. On the, on the Sierra High Road, I think it was like six days without crossing a, a road, like, not a gravel road or anything four days I think to get out of Kings Canyon National Park itself and this is like 20 miles a day it gets crazy it's a huge landscape
1: so what a couple others on that list of highlights
0: yeah the so I did the Wind River high route the next year um, which was felt similar in a lot of ways huge granite um, some big glaciers in the Wind Rivers and the Wind Rivers aren't arranged like it gets visited all that often there's barely anyone back there i'd go you know go for days without seeing anyone um that was a really amazing route did the wonderland trail I've done the wonderland trail a couple times you know, that is a yeah that's around a, Rainier. yeah that's around Rainier. that's that's 93 miles i think it is um and decided that i wanted to try bike packing so i um Got a got a bike from Craigslist and got some bags together and biked the Colorado Trail, um, which is like 550 miles from Denver to Durango, mountain wow. bike trail. Yeah.
1: You hadn't biked much before then.
0: I I biked a lot growing up, like you know BMX bikes and stuff <laughs> like that. Very
1: similar to bike packing.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'd bike that and then I you know I bike commute over all over Portland, but yeah. I really haven't. I haven't done a whole lot of mountain biking. Mountain biking hasn't been a big, you know, hobby of mine at all. Right. Um, but I think the bike handling from, from growing up on a bike and. Mm. Um, just a general familiarity. Yeah, yeah, I think that helps a lot. And then, you know, just uh, backpacking a lot and running a lot, the fitness translates pretty well. Mm. Um, and yeah, with bike packing, just to be able to, you know, travel and really cover some distance on bike um, still under your own power is a really special thing as well
1: um,
0: yeah and then you know started to get into more mountain running mountain running stuff and ski mountaineering so yeah a lot of cascade volcano you know circumnavs and summits and ski descents and stuff like that so yeah I think that's a beautiful thing about living in the Northwest—is the the spring ski mountaineering and then the summer trail running around the volcano. It's really amazing. It is.
1: So you basically would take pictures, nice pictures of all these adventures, <laughs> and you've been writing about them. Yeah. And then that's so far what has largely populated this Alpine Flow website.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of of what I've done with it so far is a lot of you know personal trip reports, and I want to. I want to transition that, and um, I think you know that that's important. I think the inspiration pieces is, is important, but I want to I want to basically be you know creating things to inspire and empower other people. So experimenting with different ways of doing that. Um,
1: it's like tools and information and things yeah. to assist in trip planning and such.
0: Yeah, definitely get some tools out there. Have some some of that um, built up but another, another piece that um, I really want to add to it is some you know, actual in-person experiences, uh, guiding people through the mountains and just helping people to experience these places in, in a way that I love to do so much and, and you know, connecting people to these wild landscapes and to themselves and to each other. The community building piece is, is something that is really, really cool to me and I feel, I feel strongly about I think it's super important.
1: We should get to the basics here of huh. what does alpenflow mean? The name itself? Yes.
0: Yeah, what so what I uh, I guess where how that came to me. That's FLO with no it W. Is on FLO. The yeah, it's okay, fast, no light. <laughs> fast
1: and light yeah, the W would be too. Would be too. too cumbersome
0: too bulky, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, so like I said, I, you know I think what connects all my true passions is is moving through big landscapes under my own power and moving through the high mountains in, in various ways, whether it's skiing or climbing or running It's really something that inspires me and you know, I've found a lot of empowerment through that and I love that essence like I love the essence of what it feels like to move through the mountains um, to feel like you're flowing through these high Alpine environments, um, and when you can really hit that that state of flow, it's such an enlivening and empowering experience. Um, that's the heart of what I wanted to capture with the name Alpine Flow, and I wanted to use I want to use Alpine Flow to bring that empowerment to other people.
1: So it's like moving efficiently, light, feeling confident and fit, and Whatever that means to the person. Then
0: yeah, I think just you know sort of to, when everything starts clicking. That exactly, that sense, exactly. Yeah, I think to, to be in a state of flow is you know when you're when you're operating subconsciously and everything is just coming together so smoothly and you're you're really trained and dialed in in what you're doing. So you're not you're not thinking about it. Um, you don't have to you know consciously think about how you're moving. It's just it's all subconscious and you're just.
1: So tapping into like an instinctual side.
0: Yeah, yeah, you could call it that. Yeah, and I think you know, some like the way that works is is through a lot of a lot of training. The way you you get into a flow state with anything is a lot of a lot of training, having that, you know, in your conscious mind, working at it day after day, and then eventually you hit your stride and things just start to click.
1: Most or some people may not know that. You are riffing off the word Glow, correct? Yeah. Which is...
0: Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> come
1: on, be transparent. <laughs> I know,
0: yeah. You're keeping me honest here, Willie. <laughs> uh, yeah, Glow is that time in the evening when the sun has set behind the horizon, but it's still hitting the mountains, and it lights up the mountains in this, in this really beautiful orange glow. You get a lot of that in the Sierras. Um, and that is a really special time when you're out on a big trip because you know hopefully not all the time but hopefully you're camped at that point you're kind of set up and and you can sit and rest your legs are exhausted and you're just worked from the day and you know you've been out all day moving in the mountains and you get to sit and savor this these you know few minutes when the mountains are all lit up and it's really peaceful before you before you turn into the night. Or you're not camped
1: there and you're facing an all-night slog.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the other possibility. <laughs> you're really feeling low. <laughs> yeah.
1: And you get a little boost from it, maybe. <laughs> right, right. And then you yeah, head on into the dark night. Take a second. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. That is, that's true.
1: That's awesome. So do you foresee, like, transitioning to our Alpen flow is... Eventually, a your full time job, and you are no longer doing engineering.
0: You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, what it is now is, uh, it's an experiment, and I, I mean, I, I'm committed to it. I really, you know, I'm going to put put a bunch of time into it and build it up and see what it could be, and um, possibly, for sure, Um, yeah, I'm open to that. And do you feel?
1: in bringing this back to to a PDX focus do you feel that Portland is a good place for this to to grow and spawn so to speak I feel like a lot of a lot of projects and businesses just seem like they're ideal to be birthed in a place like Portland and sometimes it seems like they might only be able to truly flourish (laughs) in a place like Portland because
0: we're unique in a lot of ways yeah I think Portland's a perfect a perfect place for it and i think uh you know it that has has been a big consideration for me as i've you know dug more into the creative side of what i want to do and like just thinking about building this business um portland's absolutely the place that i want to do it and it's cool it's given me a lot of clarity with you know wanting to be in portland and wanting to be in portland for you know the the immediate future for sure as far as i can really as far as i can really tell um it's, it's a perfect place to build it. There's just this amazing creative community here, which is, you know, um, sort of overlaps with the outdoor community, but is, is, certainly, is certainly different, but there's like all of this energy and support and inspiration there. And then there's a, a huge outdoor community in Portland as well. Um, and I think that, you know, the overlap of those two things and the support for small business, uh, that's that's pretty unique to this town is great. I can't think of a better place to to try and build something like this.
1: I'm sure, though, having grown up in this area and coming into town from a young age, the changes have been monumental. Yeah, it's different, Clearly, it's, for sure. Yeah. Um, any feelings on that? I mean, a lot of... There's a lot of people who live in Portland, I feel like, live here specifically because... You know, they they sort of like cities, but they're not really city people, because Portland's not really a
0: a real big city,
1: of course. No, yeah. But now it's becoming more and more big city-like. There's, you know, the growth over the past handful of years has been absolutely mind-blowing. So, like, does that, you know, how has that affected you? Does that make you sometimes want more outdoor time away from it? Or are you enjoying the, the influx of urban vibe?
0: yeah good question um I think I don't know I do really love how Portland is is sort of like a city but it's it's really small and manageable and unintimidating um easy to live in I don't know I think you know growth is just part of part of what happens when you have something that's, that's as amazing as the city of Portland is um so I don't know, I think there's something to all that, you know, new energy and new people coming in and there's there's a lot of really cool things about that. I mean certainly like I don't really drive around Portland. I ride my bike everywhere. And if I did drive I would probably <laughs> like Portland a lot less. Um, just, you know, having to commute around. I don't like that. I don't like seeing all the cars stacked up on the Fremont and things like that, but it is also, you know, kind of part of living in a city as far as making me want to get outside more, I I kind of feel that I'm not sure if it makes me want to get outside more. I don't really feel a sense of peace in the city. Um, I really, really find that outside, which I kind of wish I, I could find more of that sense of peace just at home. Um, but I don't. So, yeah, I end up, end up wanting to get outside anyway. So yeah, yeah, I so it's that not really more,
1: it's just you always want to get outside. I just need it, yeah. Booth. Yeah, it's yeah. Part, of, part of the routine.
0: Right.
1: Uh, one thing I, I did want to throw in there is, so obviously you grew up in the gorge, mm-hmm. essentially. That's, Corbett is, is basically the gorge. Yeah. So the Columbia River Gorge is absolutely a world-class feature of the earth. <laughs> Columbia River between uh, Washington and Oregon. So talking about sort of, you know, you said growth is inevitable, like for, of Portland and cities and change is inevitable and so that sort of ties into this, the Gorge fire of a couple of years ago. I feel like that's sort of a big topic but, you know, fire is change. That was a major yeah. fire, that was a huge thing, those communities were impacted, it was emotional. Uh, how did that affect you? you know, mentally or in other ways?
0: Yeah, it's really, really sad um, we so we, you know, we grew up like driving up to Eagle Creek and we'd go cliff jumping and swimming and hang out there in the summer. It's like, you know we grew up doing that several times every summer um, and, you know, since I've been back I've done a lot of trail running in the gorge and, you know, yeah, that's always been always been home, these big trees and deep forests, and, yeah, to see that burning was really sad, and, yeah, I don't know, to, I don't know, just a stupid man-made thing, you know, just like some, some stupid kids lighting fireworks and creating this natural disaster, just sad, I I don't know how else to describe it really.
1: I sort of feel like it's, it shows, though, that, like, change is inevitable, and, like, sometimes when you repress it, maybe, <laughs> when you try to stifle change, like, the, the, that fire wouldn't have been as big, right, if there were more regular fires.
0: Yeah, probably. Like,
1: fire is a part of, of birth, and death, right. and life, and the cycle. Yeah, it is. So maybe it's a metaphor for, <laughs> for everything. The more we avoid... <laughs> change the more difficult it it is when it's sort of forced forced upon us
0: yeah it could be i think that's definitely true you know like we we wanna we wanna hold on to things the way they are and we don't want to lose what we have but yeah i think uh you know grasping on it onto it clinging clinging onto it doesn't really work things are going to change anyway and will just be that much more painful so I think being open and able to adapt and able to accept the world as it is is a is a real skill and getting into natural
1: spaces helps
0: <laughs> yeah definitely we are almost
1: out of time this has been wonderful but we are going to of course end with the question I ask everyone which is what would you what advice would you give someone who you know wants to follow their passion or find find what really speaks to their soul or somebody who maybe is interested in some of the amazing life-changing type experiences that you you know done yourself what are the first steps how do you make change how do you what would you tell those people
0: yeah i think that's you know that's interesting because advice is so can be so specific to one person's experience um but i think some like something a couple couple things that i've heard that really resonate and make sense are you know one if you if you don't know what your passions are because i think i think that can be really hard to know um, follow your interests you know pick up something that you're interested in and and dig into it read some books on it or get out and try it or um, experiment with it give it a give it a real shot and give it some time and see if see if some you know passion and fire can start from that um and another another thing is just you know related to that just start just start experimenting and start working on something you know maybe you just have like a couple hours a day or something like that you don't have a lot of time but um commit to trying something new, commit to working on something that you think you might be interested in and, uh, and give it a, give it a shot and see if anything comes of it. Knowing that, you know, there's somewhere, somewhere down the road that you want to get to. Um, and you're, you're working, you're working towards that. I'll take it. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh,
1: as we, sign off here what's your next next adventure
0: uh you know I the, the real adventure for me now um the thing that I'm you know most excited about and that's driving me the most is is experimenting with this album flow thing so
1: good answer yeah
0: getting some uh you know getting some experiences together and I think uh taking a taking a group out um that's that's gonna be really really fun and exciting for me I'm going to learn a lot so
1: yeah we were just talking the other day about some exciting ideas we sure were yeah we sure were it's going to be fun alright well uh thank you so much JT keep up the awesome work thrilled to see what help and flow becomes as the evolution continues
0: yeah man thanks uh thanks a lot Willie for having me on it's been really fun and I, I love seeing what you guys are doing with Weiss Wolfpack and all you're doing for our for the community here in Portland it's really really commendable
1: thank you so much all right we'll have to have you back on have a
0: great day you too man this wraps up another edition of the get after it pdx podcast for more information about today's guest including social media links please check out the show notes for this episode thanks for listening now it's your turn to get out there and get after it.